Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to Rethink Retail's podcast live from Boston. This is Kirat Anand at the Etail conference. With me today is Jason Del Rey, author of Winner Sells All. And we're here to talk about everything all Amazon and Walmart. Hey, thanks for having me. So Jason, uh, let's start with a little bit of your background. Sure. When did you know as a young kid, did you did you know that the highest calling of mankind was being <laughs> a, a retail journalist? You know, um, I don't know that I know that today either, but I knew I loved journalism probably back in, I got into a little bit in high school. Probably at that time, I still thought I might be a professional baseball player. My parents were not kind enough to wake me up from that dream until it was too late. And then college, I really, really got into the, the journalism bug, interned during my summers, but I really thought still sports reporting might be it. Eventually graduated grad school, it was around 2007, 2008 period. And there were not a lot of good sports jobs, but there were great business reporting jobs. And I had a family of small business owners and entrepreneurs. And so quickly fell in love with business reporting period. And then in 2013, kind of lucked into an opening at a site that was then called All Things Digital, yeah. Kara Swisher and Walt Mossberg, the legendary tech journalist running it. And sort of never looked back from that point. You know, I, I didn't realize this. We had a, a similar delusion growing up. I thought I would be the first Sikh baseball player. And after Man. after being a, a walk-on at NYU my freshman year, I realized really quick. I said, okay, one year was good, but I don't think this is turning out into a full-time well, I had career. Well, I had two... Uh... You know, I had two beliefs that were not coming true. One was the baseball player. A little later, I thought I would be a sports center, ESPN sports center anchor. And at the time, my Staten Island, New York accent did not really allow for uh, that to become reality. So maybe yeah. someday. Hey, you, you can uh, reinvent yourself again, you know, from journalist to author. There, there might be a third chapter. I mean, day three. Listen, day three. Yes. <laughs> Let's uh, let, let's jump into the, the guys talking about day one, day two, day three. You spent the last, I think, better part of a decade covering these two behemoths. I'm not going to ask you where you bought the clothing you wear you know, and why. And I almost wore my Amazon brand button down today, but I but I did not. But these pants are actually a brand called Bonobos. Um, I think I've heard of them. Which, until recently, was part of the Walmart family, yes. but as... If you read my book, you you probably learn why that um, why they are no longer part of the Walmart family. But yes, uh, that is what I'm wearing. And we'll dive into Bonobos and, and, sure. and some of the leaders there later. But let's start with the founders. You know, a lot of their principles and cultures are somewhat aligned. If you read uh, Invent and Wander, Jeff yep. Bezos's book, he talks a lot about being inspired by Sam Sam Walton. If you read Sam Walton's book Made in America, he talks a lot about Saul Price and how he influenced his. Uh, uh, early days. Um, wh which company do you feel is culturally today more aligned with the alpha and Gen Z consumer mm. and their principles and practices aligned with maybe the sustainability or the values that the younger consumer has? Who's putting that customer first? Yeah, that's really, uh, can, can I say neither? 
I mean, I, I think they're both getting there. And I think Walmart, especially in the mid-2000s, I think under a CEO at the time named Lee Scott, really got serious about their environmental impact. And I think, you know, there are obviously critics of some of their approaches still, but I don't think Walmart, it was, you know, sort of greenwashing. I think it was real. And so I think for people who don't follow the industry, they're surprised when they hear about some of Walmart's impact and positive impact in that way. I think Amazon's coming along as well. I mean, the, obviously we have the climate pledge and now I believe the climate pledge arena in Seattle, which they sponsor for the hockey team. Uh, I'm forgetting the name now. Kraken, I think is the name of the new, anyway, getting off a little bit, but I listen, I think both are working on it, but I, I still think when I talk about the next 10 or 20 years, I think it's, there's, while these are so powerful today, I think there's a real chance that we are talking about someone else who connects with this generation and what they believe in and what matters to them in, in a deeper way. I know people inside both those companies are trying hard and I wouldn't count them out, but sort of a mixed bag, I'd say. Yeah. Well, then let's move away from the younger customer. Let, let's talk about the customer in general. We're, we're at the age of maybe personalization. It's a hot topic. Everyone's trying to customize an approach curated to their customer with 230 million unique shoppers going to Walmart every week and over 200 million Amazon Prime subscribers, who is better situated and understands their customer better, in your opinion? I, you know, I think for me, it's still Amazon, although I will say I'm curious what you think. I am still shocked sometimes when I go on that site and A, doesn't look all that different than it did a long time ago. But I will say, like, there are smart people there. Like, I think that's largely for a good reason. But I, I occasionally surprised on some of the recommendations I get that, for me, feel totally all off. But I think they've been working on it for a long time and still do do a largely good job there. I think Walmart's final, like, finally seeing signs of of them learning who their Omni customer is really well and trying to appeal to them in ways that feel natural and different and in a personalized fashion. I'm sure we'll talk about some of their, like some of the more forward thinking personalization attempts that they're going after via conversational commerce and, and the like. But I, I'd say Amazon still today, but I, I think there's honestly, it feels like there's a lot of room for growth for both companies, which considering how far ahead Amazon was than Walmart for so many years is, is somewhat surprising. I, I agree with you, and I think, you know, there's always room for a third player or a fourth player. I mean, if you think about it, that Amazon is younger than us, and Walmart's not 100 years as well. So, I mean, there's, and, you know, we're probably both in our 40s. Let's leave it at that. And I mean, I will neither confirm nor deny, <laughs> although my, my, the way my beard has turned maybe gives away that, uh, that decade age yeah, group. And, and, and when we were younger, uh, you know, around the time when we were probably, uh, infants i mean the top two players were sears and i think a and p and both have gone through either bankruptcies or mergers and acquisitions respectively and haven't been around so i was a sears customer yeah price club customer which price costco yep Sold price we talked yep. about it yep and uh and then my supermarket was um walled bounds which i believe was owned by the a and p family right. so yeah uh anyway yeah and so 
so my point is, you know, in, a, in our lifetime, you've seen that change and evolve. In the next 40 years, I mean, because you, you led me right to one of my <laughs> questions, the next 40 years, well, what, what do you see? Like, do you see these two guys still re retaining the top two or one of them retaining the top one position? I mean, it's hard to look ahead now and not see them in, in that position. Walmart is finally, you know, I, I think over the last couple of years, shown themselves to be sort of a fierce rival and competitor that they once, you know, once were in, in their heyday decades ago to, to Amazon. That said, like, if you just follow, we've talked about the arc of business history, like these, these giants don't last forever. You know, we don't have to go deep on TikTok, but I am, I am very curious how their commerce initiatives in the West pan out. I think they're formidable. Obviously we've just seen in the last couple of years that Shein, Temu and the like, you know, just the overnight successes. And the question is, can they be sustainable, but kind of showing anything's possible yeah. with, with the new consumer. But there was a point, you know, a couple of years ago where Walmart really, you know, Doug McMillan, the CEO was calling Amazon internally an existential threat. And he, I believe he believed that maybe part of it was trying to really just rally the troops and, you know, which he needed to do and has done a pretty good job at, but I don't know. I hope they're fascinating. Maybe there's a second book in writing about them 10 years from now, but I'm really hoping that there are great narratives to tell about other people innovating in new ways in this space. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot to unpack there. You touched upon a lot of the new technologies that are really doing well in, in the East. If you think about e-commerce, live commerce, social commerce, text to commerce, I mean, they're all, and, and they have been tested here. They really haven't exploded, but, but we'll get into that. Let's let's back up a little bit. Let's talk more yeah. about in winter sells all. You have an inflection point, I think, in the early 90s. A lot of people don't know the anecdote of, of Robert Davis. I would love for you to just tell our audience about the Robert Davis story and ask you a follow-up on that. Yeah, sure. I'll try to keep it short. I know this well when an interviewer say, says a lot to unpack there. Usually means your answer was way too long. Like, can you just stick to my question? So you were very polite. I appreciate that, but you don't have to this be. This is the advantage of having an expert sitting across from you, showing you how to do it. And, you don't uh, have to be polite with me. It's fine. But that was very diplomatic. I appreciate it. So, Robert Davis, and just a little context here. I was. I didn't know his story at all. So, I I didn't either, and so, I worked there. So thank you. So I kind of, you know, when I thought about the history of Walmart and sort of missing the boat on e-commerce in the early years, I kind of just thought they missed it, but. A couple of people pointed me to this early Walmart employee named Robert Davis. And so Robert joined Walmart in the 80s. He was very involved in their point of sale systems initially, rolling out new technologies there. And then he led this sort of small team that was innovating in the mid 90s with selling online. He saw Amazon, but he also just believed in this new channel. And they were selling gift baskets online for Sam's Club. They also had some Walmart online selling happening. And he went into the CEO at the time, David Glass, and he kind of just wanted a bit more of a commitment for this e-commerce initiative. This is now in 1998. And he wasn't asking for hundreds of millions of dollars. He basically was just asking the CEO, listen, I need the warehousing division when I go to them to not sort of laugh at me or not tell me that they'll get to my request two years from now. Same thing with the marketing division or the merchandising division. And 
I understandably, I think the CEO said something along the lines of, we'll continue to experiment, but this is a small thing. E-commerce. E-commerce. Yeah. This is, you know, I think the what Robert remembered David Glass saying was that e-commerce would at Walmart would never be bigger than the annual sales of a single Sam's Club store. Again, easy to laugh now, but you could totally, I think I could, I try to be, put myself in the shoes of, you know, people in different periods. And you could imagine thinking that back in 1998. And so Robert, you know, disappointed, thought he would be at Walmart for life, said it was his dream job. He had his dream house in Arkansas, packed up and Amazon came calling and he went to Amazon, spent about 11 years, 11 or 12 years there. He wasn't a huge name there, not an executive giving interviews, but some key technological roles, including working on OneClick. And he still believes to this day when I found him that Walmart had the chance to really be the absolute biggest innovator in online retail and can't, still can't sort of accept that they didn't take that opportunity. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought that was a great story, so thank you for sharing that. I think I wrote it better than I tell it, so you should just read the book. It's only <laughs> chapter one. You don't even have to make it that far. So my follow-up question was, in your opinion, the retail technologists, because that's a lot of our audience, yep. and the retail tech community, what hmm. is the next Robert Davis working on today? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, is this multiple choice? I mean, I, I think I threw some out there earlier yeah. on, if you want. No, no. But so I have a couple. No. I mean, there are there are a couple ideas. I mean, I am still skeptical about live commerce or, you know. Skeptical that, about it. Well, sorry. I am skeptical that we, because we have yet to see real large, large scale success in the U.S. and North, North America. Um, Pindudu's been doing it really well in China. Exactly. So skeptical about who will get it right here. And I think in some, you know, there's a different consumer dynamic and we don't have to get all into that, but I think it's possible that someone nails it here. And I think it's super compelling channel. I've just, there hasn't been much success here. So that's why I'm skeptical in this, in, in North America. Um, but that's something I'm following. I think also, you know, the word personalization has been, I mean, I don't know, before I started covering e-commerce 10 years ago, it was a big buzzword. And so through conversational commerce and personalization, like there's still so much opportunity there. And I hope people land it because I think for consumers, when done correctly, it's just a better experience. And I, we talk about Amazon and Walmart. Right now, people deal with the bizarre of their online marketplaces and how frustrating, I think, search experience can still be. And would it be better to have, you know, what's best for you come to you versus, you know, having to go through that search process? I think there is a world where there is. So those are those are a couple areas where I see a lot of opportunity and just not, at least in this part of the world, not a ton of success yet, but a lot of belief in them from, you know, investors with a lot of money yeah yeah so hopefully a lot of you retail technologists were listening you know jason's usually right when he reports so jason you mentioned in the book that jeff bezos was the innovator engine at amazon right and and maybe some of that has there might be day two almost now right 
During your time covering both companies, if Jeff was the innovator engine at Amazon, which executive, in your opinion, was a similar power force at Walmart? Ooh. For all my, you know, for all my reporting on Bezos's flaws, there's, you know, obviously he has many strengths. I think there's only, only, only one Jeff Bezos, but, and I'm not trying to put this entrepreneur at the level of Jeff Bezos in many ways, both pros and cons, but, you know, I think Mark Laurie coming into Walmart through the acquisition of his company, Jet.com, back in 2016, I believe, was a seminal moment in the history of Walmart. And I think, you know, people ask me all the time, maybe you will, like, was that was that worth the $3.3 billion acquisition or acquihire, as some would call it, or was it not? And I think, I think it really depends on your definition of success. But if not for that deal, I don't think Walmart's in as good of a position as it is today, not necessarily because of the direct you know, decision-making or strategies that Mark employed, but because of sort of the new way of thinking, their sense of urgency, and sort of the narrative he created that I think has been long lasting inside the company. You heard it here first, guys. So Jason just made up for his 2019 interview with Mark Laurie. <laughs> We're on stage. Now Jason is calling Mark the innovator at Walmart. So I think that was a four year I mean, overdue kind of <laughs> apology. Hey, Mark, you're the, you're, you know, kind of, I, I like that. I haven't heard from Mark since the book came out, so we'll see. But um, no, listen, I think. I think there are right on criticisms of, you know, his time at Walmart, but I think he brought a lot in the sense of, and I, I just mentioned some of them, energy, energy urgency, you know, awareness at the market. Yeah. I mean, the narrative that he sold to Absolutely. Wall Street and to the technology industry and rec in recruiting, I think made a big difference. You know, so you, you led me to my next question. I was going to ask you. And playing Monday morning quarterback is usually easy, right? Knowing what we know today was the Aquahire acquisition of the $3.3 billion jet to enter dot-com and digital more important for Walmart or compare that to Amazon's acquisition a year later of Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. I'm not asking you which one worked out better for the company. Amazon needing to enter grocery, did they do the better job there? Or did Walmart do the better job entering digital? And the price they paid. You have to you have to do an ROI for us. <laughs> oh man. So I'm 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 playing analyst too. Well you wanted to be a sports center commentator I mean, me, so this is Monday. Yeah, yeah. Sports a little bit easier, I think. <laughs> and there's a ton of sports analysts who don't know what they're talking about. So <laughs> Anyway, I might just be bitter. I'm a sad Knicks fan. So listen, I think I think Amazon has really struggled in grocery, even post Whole Foods acquisition. I think talked to a lot of Whole Foods customers. Is that experience much better or even as good as it was pre Whole Foods? I think a lot of people would say no. I think they've, I think the Amazon Fresh stores they're still trying to figure out pantry. It's way yeah. What whether it should exist? I've I document sort of the. I was going to say rise and fall of a service called Amazon Pantry. I don't think there was a huge rise. There was not a huge rise, period. But they've struggled in in trying to figure out how to deliver some segments of CPG in a way that makes business sense for them. 
and in a way that customers can embrace that isn't super expensive. So I I think largely I'm hesitant to call that deal a failure and we'll see what they do with it going forward, bringing more technology into Whole Foods. But they still have a lot of ground to make up. I think, I don't know, again, on the Walmart side, like that jet deal for all the things that didn't work out, as, as their head of corp dev said at the time when she was trying to convince Doug McMillan to go through with the acquisition, she said, if we don't do this, what do we do instead to move faster? Yes, we could do X, Y, and Z, but we're not. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give the nod to Walmart on this. Well, you did mention Amazon having difficulties within CPG, which is super interesting to me because their power engine, their cash engine, AWS, powers so many CPG brands. That engine also powers so many D2C brands. We talked about them in personalization with Prime and Prime Video, and they know their customer. I think you said maybe even better than Walmart knows their customers. I think in your book, I remember reading Mark Laurie saying, if Amazon bought Kroger's, we'd be screwed. He did say that. Yeah. Jeff, I remember reading many times saying that we need, if we're going to be a retail player, we need to own grocery. Why hasn't Amazon, with all its knowledge, been able to figure out CPG in your mind? Listen, like, a couple of different things there. So on the CPG side, I think, I think for CPG products where the price is high enough to support shipping, like, They've been hugely successful, right? I just think, and Pantry was this attempt, and then Amazon Fresh Delivery in some ways, another attempt to figure out a model that can support delivery to home. And I, I, I don't know what they thought internally about, you know, at a certain scale, the numbers would just make sense. But grocery and CPG delivery, especially for low-priced items, is really, really difficult. And so that's one. In physical retail with grocery... I think it's two things. Sorry, three. One is I think they entered the space with a little bit of arrogance, you know, believing that we're they were Amazon. We could figure it out. And listen, they figured a lot of things out. So I kind of understand that. I think the the cold supply chain is something totally different. And I think they're still that's still been challenging to them. And then the last thing I'd I'd say is that physical retail grocery experience the actual core experience still really matters. So what I'm talking about is in-stock inventory, the freshness of produce. Um, are you jostling with delivery you know, people walking down the aisle try, while you're trying to find your favorite brand of whatever, salsa? Or, and like those things really matter. And I think they thought technology would be the ultimate differentiator that would bring customers back. And for some segment of customers, I think it does but not for enough, at least not yet. And so they're refreshing some of these fresh stores in, in uh, I, think, I think one's in Chicago area, and we'll see if that works. And a lot of the refresh actually is old school retail merchandising, you know, different signage, different fonts. So it's fascinating to me that they've had some challenges there, but not all that surprising. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. And, you know, with grocery being such a big mix of the merchandise mix within Walmart, and now with wages increasing cross board we saw what happened recently ups today we read in the news about the three big auto brands and, and what's going on in the auto industry uh in the auto sector with wage rises happening and the real inflation kicking in yeah which one of the two retailers do you think is better positioned to either absorb or pass it down to its customer 
Mm. I think Walmart is uh, always really hesitant to pass it on to the customer. And I think that's a beautiful thing about their DNA and Sam Walton, which is... EDLP. Yeah. I mean, we're just... Like, we're going to do everything before we we do that. And I want to give the nod to them. Also, though, Amazon has been, you know, historically very good at and cares so much about price perception, right? Are we going to... We may not be the lowest price on everything, but the stuff that matters, we really we really need to be the leader or, or matching the leader. And so I still think it's more of Walmart's DNA. So I'm giving you a little bit of both, but Amazon has been unafraid in the last year or two to pass along cost to consumers. So we, in a surprising way to even some executives inside the company. So doing away with Amazon Fresh being a, a free perk to Prime and now only free if you spend 150 bucks, adding the $10 delivery fee years ago back to Whole Foods. That has been surprising to a lot of people who even worked at the company for a very long time. But it tells me this is a new era for that company, not just in CEO, but sort of facing the economy they are and the costs of convenience to your door same day and next day. And so I think Amazon's more comfortable passing it along would be my my short answer that took me a couple minutes to get no, to. No, I, I like it. I support it. You know, another hot topic, not only wage increases, but shrinkage. You know, every earnings call we hear, yeah. executives come out, talk about shrinkage of Walmart, Home Depot, Target was talking about it a few times over. This morning I read about Dick's shrinkage. And, you know, in the news you hear- I got a bone to pick with Dick's, but go ahead. Yeah, oh, no Woo-hoo. pun intended. But no, definitely I, no pun intended, but uh, we could get into that. To pick with Dick's shrinkage. I'm going to leave it there. But I did not finish that sentence. Go ahead. <laughs> but there are a lot of news reports that some of these items end up on Amazon Marketplace. Sure. Amazon is working with law enforcement. We know that. But when they end up on their marketplace, eventually hits their P&L. Yep. Yeah. And this is what, all, all fact. What else can Amazon do, in your opinion, right? where they're not alienating other marketplace vendors who are actually selling legitimate goods. What else can they do? I listen, I just, I question how much they care, honestly. Like I think they care enough and I think they're, I think there are individuals who care enough to be working with law enforcement. I don't think they want to be a place where you have a very good chance of buying goods that have been stolen. But do I think, really down deep they care enough to make this a top top priority at the company i just i just don't believe it i mean and it's and it happens frequently yeah i'll I'll give you one anecdote maybe the only time in my life that i'll have a driver was on the day that my book came out and my publisher gave me one and we were driving to a cnbc interview and my driver he was asking me about my book i told him about amazon he said oh great prices. And he goes on and tells me about this weed whacker he bought, which he couldn't understand. It was a store brand of one of the, one of the home improvement stores. And he couldn't understand how it was $70 on Amazon. It was a private label. Yes. Yes. Of of Lowe's or Home Depot. Yes. And he couldn't, and he couldn't, uh, that's what he told me. And he couldn't understand how it was $70 on Amazon and $110. Because it walked out the door for free at one of those home improvements. Maybe stores. ran out the door. But um, <laughs> anyway, so like, listen, I hope Amazon proves me wrong. But they, they care enough to, my belief 
is they care enough for it to not become an overwhelming negative press point, an overwhelming regulatory or government point. But as long as they can make it not that, I think we'll always see these, you know, some of these goods filter their way to Amazon. The, the pursuit of the everything store comes largely at all costs and they want whatever selection they could get. Um, I don't believe they intentionally want stolen goods, but yeah, they I, create, I would, I would yeah, agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would agree that, that, that they don't want that. And maybe the customer is their focus and their obsession. That that's yeah. where, that's where I was going with that. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's right. You know, but what they do care about and what both companies care about is health and wellness. And I remember when Amazon bought PillPack, the market reaction to CVS and Walgreens. And then next thing you know, like Walmart, you know, we had our health centers. So both companies. And I think at the one point, Jeff Bezos was partnering with Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon to figure out healthcare for the entire country. Yeah, they started with their own employees. That, yeah. yeah. Which sort of didn't work. Out. Yeah, it didn't work. But yep. Healthcare is top of mind too. And it's top of mind for both companies. Who do you see winning there? I think I think they're right now going at different markets. So Amazon with their acquisition of One Medical, which largely in metropolitan areas, sort of doctors a tech advanced doctor's office with virtual care as well and a subscription model. I think that's sort of up market household income wise. I think Walmart's big on accessibility, so opening up Walmart health centers where there is not great healthcare easily accessible. I think that, so I think long-term there will be a battle there. I think they're kind of independent. All of that said, one of my favorite anecdotes in my book was the competition to acquire this online pharmacy pill pack. And I'm hesitant whether to give away this great anecdote, but if you read chapter 11 of my book, and this isn't a chapter 11 joke, it just some chapter had to be chapter 11, and it's the healthcare chapter. They both competed up to Doug McMillan for this startup because they thought online pharmacy was a space with still so much sort of greenfield ahead. And Amazon won that battle, and I explain why. But I think largely different approaches or different customer right now that even former Walmart executives fear or know will eventually become more head to head in the years to come. And I, and 10 years from now, that could be when we're talking about the impact these companies have, yeah. that may be number one on your, on your questions yeah. list. And, and I, I, I think hopefully we do sit down in 10 years and we will discuss that, but you know, so what you're saying is the winner sells all, but both of them can care for or treat all currently at the moment. I, I think so. And, and, and I know people have strong opinions on whether to trust these companies with their medical care and healthcare. Walmart has the history with pharmacies, obviously. Amazon, there is a lot of trust in the Amazon brand. I'd say anyone who could make good change in the healthcare market in this country when it comes to either costs or accessibility, you know, in my eyes, should be, you know, an entity that a lot of people root for in this specific industry. So I guess that means I'm rooting for one of them to come up with sort of yeah. better care. Yep. You know, and I'd love to end with just some rapid fire. Okay oh, yeah, sure. So let's start with a with a layup because you're a sports guy. Oh, are you a prime or a plus member? Oh, I mean, to write this book, I need to be need to be both. Okay, 
That's fair. Um, I like that. But uh, you may not find accounts under my name. I don't. I mean, I don't trust. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I was writing a book about that. You don't trust them with your, uh, uh, your, 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 your details and identification. I just, but you I just don't want my details. And I, identification. I just don't want my experience. I just don't want my experience to be potentially different because of uh, a book I was writing. Here's another one. Now that you're an author, what book is on your nightstand? Oh, that's really good. I'm. I'm currently. I'm. I'm like way behind because of all the industry reading I was doing while I was writing my book. So I'm reading, actually, in my bag upstairs, Matthew McConaughey's uh, memoir, yeah, yeah, which I think came out, I don't know how long ago, but I think the memoir is Green Lights, something like that. So that's that's on my nightstand right now, and I have um, a long stack uh, underneath that I'm excited to read some non-industry stuff for a while. One executive, past or present, yeah, at either Walmart or Amazon, that you could have a meal with. Ooh, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, one executive from one of the companies. I'd love to have a meal with Sam Walton. I think that would have been my. Yeah, yeah. You're Jeff Bezos. Knowing what you know today, <sighs> do you go Andy Jassy or Jeff Wilkie? Oh, ooh. We started with layups. I mean, I have to spice it up a little bit, Jason. Come on. Can you repeat the question? Just, yeah, I'll give you another 30 seconds. <laughs> Knowing what you know, do you hand the torch down to Jassy, your first chief of staff, the, the, the creator yeah. of AWS, yeah. Jeff Wilkie, the power and engine who ran all of Amazon retail? Knowing what I know today, I probably... Man. You want a coin? There's no wrong answer here. Listen, I'm struggling because I think I think Wilkie would have been really crucial in navigating the challenges of the core retail business over the last few years. And I yeah, so that's that's why. But I think future looking, I, I think I still would have made the bet on the person with um the track record of sort of large scale technology innovation, and that's Andy Jassy. So you could flip it. <laughs> Last easy one. <laughs> As the readers put down your book, which was really, really engaging and, and page turning for me, what do you want a reader not in the retail industry to put down this book and be more curious and excited to learn about? I, you know, part of part of what I wanted to get across to the non-industry reader was yes you may know the power these two companies have but just some insight into the thinking of the it's easy to think of them just as these you know impersonal corporations but the decision making is being made sometimes for like not first of all not always for the best interest of the customer sometimes not always for the best interest of the employee but kind of on a whims too, you know, maybe too strong, but for, you know, thoughts of, you know, revenge or wanting to get back at someone or something because it might look good for my next role. And so I think just understanding there are imperfect people running these companies could either make you think like, yeah, maybe sometimes I want to give a different retailer or my small business a shot. Or on the other hand, understanding that 
people are fallible. And so if these companies make mistakes or let me down or, you know, we're doing something wrong to their employees back then, but have changed now that, you know, maybe you're a bit more understanding of the challenges of running these companies as well. Well, Jason, thank you so much for making time. This was honestly a pleasure live again here at Etail in Boston. A lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.